All right, welcome, folks. Uh, my name is Steve Lines. I'm a sports editor here at the Free Press. Welcome to our uh, bi-weekly podcast that I do here with Mike McIntyre, our columnist. It's called Jet Cetera. It's episode 11, and Mike just pointed out that means it's a new decade or something like that. Dawn of a new decade, yeah. Dawn of a new decade. <laughs> Sounds like a movie. It does. With yeah. zombies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a big zombie movie fan. Are you? No, not at all, not actually. At all. Me oh, actually, sorry. Um, Zombie Land, which starred Woody Harrelson. That's one of my favorite. I, I didn't see the sequel. Jen's. Is it Jen, a movie? It's a great movie. Oh, okay. And they just came out with a sequel, I think, months ago. Oh, I didn't see it. I like Woody Harrelson. Oh, it's it is it's a com it's basically a comedy. Uh, and it is unbelievably good. It's one of my favorite movies, but it's not like a zombie movie. I mean, there's zombies. It's Zombie Land, but it's about <laughs> so much no more zombies. than that. Yeah, it's, of course it is. It's, it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's a great it's, movie. But it's yeah, just a, it's a metaphor for something. I'm sure, right? Yeah, we could probably do a whole show on like our favorite. Net. Do you watch Walking Dead? I never no. got into that. Isn't that zombies too? Uh, I think so. Right, because they're dead and they're walking. So <laughs> by definition, if you're walking and you're dead, thing. I think you're a zombie, right? Yeah, yeah. I did that. Watch that one movie, Matt Damon, where the zombies were coming to the China Wall. I can't remember what were they zombies? Uh, I think zombies? so. Yeah, 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 yeah. I watched that one. You know who's not Walking Dead right now? The Winnipeg Jets. Oh, How's that for one. a segue? Nice one. Um, no, they're four and one in their last five, are they? Well, yeah. I remember when we did episode 10, which was about two weeks ago, I remember us saying, I think you said, well, when we do this two weeks from now, we'll have a much better idea of where this team's at. Maybe. I'm not sure. No, I mean, we they don't. went four and one, which is almost as good as yeah. as you could do in that stretch. Well, and five and oh would have been better, but I've been, been smart <laughs> That would have been better, yeah. Am I allowed to say smart ass on the podcast? Yeah. And actually, wow, that only God. blemish, the only loss was in Edmonton. Uh, by a goal, yeah, and they, where sure they actually, actually played won really that well. Game. Yeah, they, they played should've. really well. That, that that's that was an impressive game, actually. Okay, so they beat the um, Washington right after last night. Oh, uh, last night they the beat Arizona, Arizona Coyotes. Thank you, four to two. Yeah, and uh, that was on a Monday night. We're doing this on a Tuesday for you folks uh, that are listening. Tuesday, March the tenth. Um, we should almost say that. Um, and now the Jets head out on a. Road trip, uh, Western Canadian road trip, where they go Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, right? Yes, big. You're big, going on that trip, right? I am, yes. All right. So now they have 12 games left in the season. Uh, they're in a playoff spot this morning, correct? They are. Yeah. Uh, tenuously. Very yeah. Tenuous. Every day is. Um, so they have 12 games left. Eight of them are on the road. Four of them are at home. Every single one of their last 12 games is against a team that has relatively the same amount of points of the, as them or more than them. They have no uh, free cards on the bingo spot in the last 12 games. Um, grabbing a playoff spot is still going to be incredibly difficult. I'm not sure that I've changed my mind in, in, in thinking that they're going to. I think they're playing well enough to be a playoff team, but I just think that there's yeah, the schedule and the teams that are they're fighting with are also playing well. I think it's still going to be hard for them. So a couple of weeks ago, I kind of looked at the standings and tried to figure out what, what's going to be the cutoff line. And I figured 92 okay. points. All right. If you're on the right, if, you, if you're 92 or better, I figured you'd probably get in in the West. 91 or less, you wouldn't. Okay. I think as we What are they at this morning? They're at 78. So that would mean they need 14, 14 points, points in 12, in 12 games. games, seven and five. Yeah, right. Um, but Possible. I'm actually not convinced. I think it's more like 93, 93 now. 93 or 94. So yeah. you're going to yeah. probably have to go eight and four or seven, four and one. Um, 
now, granted, a lot of these Western teams are playing each other, which means two things. Somebody's losing, somebody's winning. I guess depends how many three-point games. Yeah, it doesn't change are. what you need to do no. or what those other teams are doing. So, yet. you know, is 7-4-1 and one, uh, doable? Well, the Jets, it would actually be 10-4-1 and one if you go back over the line because they, they've won three in a row. That's a big ask for sure. Uh, but... I don't know about you, Steve. I mean, to me, I look at the the lineup Paul Maurice rolled out last night. That's the deepest Jets team we've seen all year. You look at even some of the guys who aren't in the lineup that have been bumped out, who were playing, you know, decent roles this year. Guys like Jansen Harkins um, on the blue line. You've got guys like Lucas Spiza. Oh, my God. Thank you for saying that. All last night, I was trying to figure out who was not in the lineup because Adam Lowry was, and I was racking my brain. And I just couldn't figure it out. So it Jansen, was Jansen Harkins, Harkins was yeah. the one yeah. who, uh, yeah. kind of surprisingly, he's been uh, to me a bit of a revelation this year. But uh, I so thought- I looked. I looked at the lineup recently, and the thing that stood out for me when you talk about a deep lineup is a two guys, Mason Appleton and Tucker Pullman. Yes, both of those guys. Uh, oh my God, Mason Appleton was actually playing on the number one line, uh, the top line at one point in this season played on the second line, played on the third line, is exactly where he should be now on the fourth line. And Tucker Pullman was playing top minutes defenseman at one point this season with Josh Morrissey and, again, is exactly where he should be uh, on the the bottom pairing or whatever. Look at him thrive. I mean, goal assists last night, he's way more comfortable in that role. And same with Mason Appleton is playing really well too. So now they're playing guys in positions where they should be playing, and so that's – that shows the depth of the Matthew team Pro's sure, yeah. on the fourth line. Yeah. Which yeah, well, I would argue is be. a pretty good spot for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That yeah. being said, if if you That's a pretty good fourth it, line. That is a good I mean uh, and Nick Shore I think's been he's been all right. solid. Yeah. He's been really good on the penalty he kill. Has the been, Jets yeah. penalty kill's been uh, best in the league in the last six weeks, and he's a part of that. So when you have a fourth line now, Shore Appleton Perot. Uh, that's as deep. I mean, you look earlier in the year what the Jets were rolling out on the fourth line. You know, they had guys like Yona Lewoto right. and David Gustafson and Logan Shaw, um, Mark Latestu, like Bork, whatever. Gabriel Bork, Gabriel Bork, Bork. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it is. Um, so know, so now, an, an, a, certainly an addition to the team that's helped with that. Certainly getting guys back healthy. Perot, Lowry has helped, and then the, a significant addition at the trade deadline was Cody Eakin. Cody Eakin scored his uh, first goal first. as a Jet last night, the game-winning goal. Um, the entire city is celebrating it. Um, I go to a gym, or Richard Burr Fitness, yeah. where Cody's sweater is hanging in the in the gym. And all they were talking about this morning was how great it was that Cody had scored a goal. I don't care. <laughs> anyway, it's Cody Eakin Day at the Cody, gym. It was Cody Eakin Day today at Richard Burr Fitness. It certainly he was. He didn't show uh, up, did he? No, he, he had didn't. practice no, today. No, I haven't so. seen him there in ages, okay. um, but I have seen him there. Well, in probably the once past. you go to Vegas. I mean, how much time were you coming back to Winnipeg, right? You probably found a good gym in Vegas. He probably I think. did. You know, he's, he's, when he comes, no, he, he has a cottage in the Lake of the okay. Woods, and he comes back every summer, and I know that Rich goes out and trains him there, as a matter of fact. And, and Cody works very hard at his training, and so, and you can tell by the way he plays. And um, I can and, tell you a lot of stories about Cody's dad. Yeah, yeah. From for my sure, twenty years yeah. on the Crime and Justice no Week. For those who don't know, Cody's dad was a rather infamous Winnipeg police officer, uh-huh. uh, Butch Eakin, right? Who had his share of issues with uh, 
with the law, shall we say. Right. Uh, he also was a bit of a notorious hockey dad back when Cody was young. Um, there was a lot of incidents in Winnipeg hockey rinks involving Butch Eakin and other fans. He's uh, He had a bit of a temper. Yes. Uh, so now Co- uh, Cody has played pretty well um, uh, since coming here. So has another uh, trade deadline acquisition uh, oh man, Dylan I, DeMello. Oh, thank you. I cannot get this guy's name. It's like the <laughs> worst tongue twister for me. Yeah. Um, uh, he's played well. Yeah. I mean, and he's now, we talked about Tucker Pullman. You did. Uh, so Dylan DeMello has taken essentially Pullman's spot on that top pair with Josh Morrissey. Dylan DeMello, I mean, you see it on TV, I think, a little bit. But to, to see it live and kind of watch... TV doesn't always pick up maybe some of the little plays that happen. He is so smart, so smooth, uh, especially getting the puck out of the Jets' end, which has been an issue a lot of the times this season. Granted, look at the personnel they had to work with. Uh, He is just calm, cool, collected, um, and really makes great first pass. Uh, breaks the Jets out of the zone. And now, now you're saying, you're trumpeting that they should do sign, every, him. Uh, sign him. Sign him. Sign him. Sign him. Open sign the him. vault. Yeah, open the vault. Money's I'm, no object. But if you're him, you're not going to do that. No, no because you look at that. the UFA market this summer, yeah. it's thin. Yeah. And he's 27, I want to say. Okay. So he's... His analytic numbers are... are, are off the charts. Off the charts. On a terrible so, Ottawa team. Right. So His agent is going to be saying, right. we can... I mean, even if he maybe wants to come back to Winnipeg, you would not jump now. You're going to no. leverage leverage that right create a bit of a bidding war uh, right. so he's going to get paid you're 27 you're looking for a big multi-year contract at this point he's not looking at a one or two he probably no. wants four or five years at least I for think some security yeah. and yeah uh, that being said to me he's just what the Jets blue line needed and Kevin Shoveldayoff should find a way to keep him in Winnipeg Okay, folks, we're back for the second period of our Jet Cetra episode 11 podcast. I totally did not say that in the right order. But uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, Mike, we were talking about some of the players uh, that have made a significant impact on the Jets over the last few weeks. And, and um, you know, Cody Eakin and this... Uh, the guy the, whose name you can't the, pronounce. DeMello. Dylan DeMello, yeah. Dylan DeMello, I have it written down right in front of me. I have to read you it. hope he doesn't sign here, right? Because you're going to have to There's learn his name. certain guys that, yeah, we've been happy they didn't sign. There was one recently, and <laughs> eh, never mind. It's a long story between Samin and I. Um, anyways, uh, one guy that has played well uh, all season and is still playing well and pro- is playing, is man, just off the charts is, is goaltender Connor Hellebuck. <laughs> Um, he made some saves in the third period there against uh, uh, Arizona on, uh, that, uh, you know, kept the game at 3-2. to two. He made some saves in the second period. When it was 2 nothing still. It could have been 3 or 4 nothing, yeah. and then it and, stick and a fork and in the he's Jets. Done this, he's done this all season and has been, you know, just really, really, really good. He's certainly the Jets' most valuable player, and, and now there's some talk about – you know, him being considered maybe as the heart trophy candidate. <laughs> Which would I'm be not incredible. Sh- I'm not sure that's going to happen. Uh, you know, there's a there's some front runners there, particularly Leon Dreisaitl in Edmonton. But is this guy a lock to win the Vezina? Is there anybody else in the league that's had a even significantly comparable type of season to no. Connor Hellebuck? No, there's not. Um, to me, he is an absolute lock. I'd be stunned if he doesn't win the Vezina trophy. Um, actually the guy that was in the net 
on the other side of the rink last night, Darcy Kemper is a guy who's been getting some Vezina talk because Arizona, they're also in the playoff fight. They can't score at all. They're one of the lowest scoring teams, but they don't give up a whole lot. And a big part of that has been Darcy Kemper's play. But he was hurt for a bit. He, he was, was hurt for a he bit. He hasn't played that much. No. Really, right? So, and that's. He played 40 games or right. something. Right. So yeah, there's a bunch yeah. of goalies. You look at their numbers and you say, well, that's not bad. Uh, but look at Connor Hellebuck's volume of work. I mean, if if what happens that we expect down the stretch here, he's going to play almost every game. I see of these last 12, maybe he gets one off, maybe two. He's going to come close to 70 games this year in an 82-game season, which is incredible. There, there's nobody that's played more minutes, faced Carey more Price pox. is close, right? He is, yeah. but Carey Price's numbers aren't aren't uh, anywhere close to what right. Hellebuck's are. Th- there are some underlying stats that are really interesting. Like they now have... Like they, it's the baseball equivalent of wins above replacement value or whatever. And oh, yeah. there are stats that say this equates goalies, forwards, defensemen, that no player has has uh, contributed more wins to his team sort of single-handedly than what Connor Hellebuck has no done player, for the Jets. Period. Nobody. Nobody. Not Leon Dreisaitl. Not right. any. Uh, so that's where I think some of this Hart Trophy talk comes up. Um, he was a Vesna finalist two years ago, back when right. the Jets reached the final four. And it's interesting because there's also talk of Paul Maurice and if the Jets get into the playoffs, is he a coach of the year candidate? A lot of people, of course, will discount what Paul Maurice has done and say, well, Paul Maurice is only a good coach because he's got the best goalie in the league this season. And there maybe is some truth to that, but I suppose you could look at any good coach. Chances are they have a pretty good goalie as well to lean on. The thing about, so uh, just to make a segue on Maurice, the one thing about Maurice this year, um, he's he's got a lot out of uh, this team considering all the adversity that it has faced, particularly injury-wise, and then and then secondly, even personnel-wise, right. because of the you know departure of his entire defense corps over the offseason and then Dustin Bufflin deciding not to play this season. So it's been a really, really good season for Paul Maurice, I think. And, and you know, I've been saying lately that I think that this is by far the hardest working, most determined Jets team that I've seen in, the, in, in since it returned uh, to Winnipeg. Um, they exhibit the qualities in a team and I mean playing as a team and all of that, that will win you games and will win you championships. Right. I'm not sure that they can win a championship. They'd be tough, though, <laughs> in any playoff round series against anybody. If they, they get would, in, for sure. they're going to be a very difficult opponent for anybody because they do have elite scoring, they have elite goaltending, and they have elite effort this season, right. which is which is that's really impressed me. I've not been a huge fan of their effort always uh, as a team and I've always kind of put that on the shoulders of the leadership core of the team but but this year has been very different. Well and you look at all the young skill that this team this franchise has incorporated in the lineup the last few years guys like Ehlers, Line, Roslovic, Connor you know even guys like Mark Shifley and so it has to be when you're a coach and you have all these guys who they're coming from junior or you know, European club teams, whatever, where they've always been the best player on the team. They probably didn't have to worry about defending or sacrificing the body, blocking shots, things like that. And now you have to teach all these guys to 
sort of put aside at times their own individual pursuit of goals, assists, points for the greater team good. I mean, that's a that's a tough ask sometimes of young players. And I think it's still a work in progress. But a lot of that effort and what, as you say, that that determination we see with this team, I think it's getting guys to buy into the team concept. And we've seen that. And that's probably a reflection. It has to be a reflection on the coach, isn't it? I mean, uh, for sure. And I the think, leadership and the leadership core. I mean, I, you know, some people have been talking about that last year there was these two <laughs> factions in the locker room. There was the Blake Wheeler and then there was right. the Dustin Bufflin sides and Bufflin had the young guys and Wheeler more had the veterans and, and they were a divided team. And, and this year, it sounds like that they're not. They're a very unified they team. Are. And there's, and there's strength and unity for sure, yeah. There is. And I think uh, bridging that gap a bit, <clears throat> Josh Morrissey becoming an alternate captain mm-hmm. this year and what he brings. I think guys, and I, guys like Andrew, Andrew Kopp, Kopp too, yeah. for sure. Adam Andrew Lowry, been, all of that, yeah. Yeah, look at Adam Lowry. Returns the lineup last night, just absolutely crushes a guy first shift, fights, another big hit later in the period. I mean, that's the and, – and after the game, he's like, I wanted to sort of – show my team that I was back kind of thing. Well, he certainly announced it. So, yeah, I mean, this... Uh, this Man, if he could score... Oh, he'd be... Just once in a while. Right. Because <laughs> he's really like a 10 or 12 goal a year guy, is, but he's is, got... Is he? <laughs> yeah, I <Did> mean... He? <laughs> but he's yeah. not a 20... If he could be a yeah, 20 man. or 25 goal yeah, scorer, he'd be, he'd be really for sure. Um, so, yeah, this Jets team, you're right. If they get into the playoffs, um, you wonder what... Where's the limit for them? And Andrew Berkshire, who of course writes uh, writes for us, uh, I saw he tweeted the other day about Blake Wheeler, and Andrew said that he's actually really been impressed over the last stretch, uh, not the points or anything like that, but just what he sees from Blake Wheeler. And you know, I know you've been critical at times of of Blake Wheeler, but I th- I think he really has grown this year as a player as a human being as a captain he's, for sure I think he really has yeah and as a, I think that there was some problems there was un, undeniably problems in that locker room getting for rid not, of Dustin for a couple Bufflin. of years not for just one year and so and this year that has not heard that at all no and I there's you know Blake Wheeler he talked to about six weeks ago about what losing Dustin Bufflin meant. And he was very open uh, about their relationship. And you, you heard it in what Blake Wheeler said, that it was a complicated relationship with him and Bufflin. And I thought it was telling that he, he actually said that him and Dustin have not spoken since training camp, even though he mentioned in the same breath that their wives are best friends, their kids are great friends who spend time with each other. And the captain, the, the two guys that are kind of the glue haven't spoken. That tells you that there's probably some... Well, Dustin's been mostly taking vacations all winter. So sure, he's... Uh, <laughs> Blake Wheeler... Last time I heard he was in Turks and Caicos. So. Yeah, Blake Wheeler did have a great line that day. He said that even if he tried to text Dustin Bufflin to talk to him, he's more than likely to drop his phone in a fishing hole somewhere <laughs> so that it would be kind of basically implying Dustin Bufflin doesn't get back to you even right. if you try and get a hold yes, of him. that's the word, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, uh, you know, if you're a fan of this Jets team... Um, what more could you ask with what they've been able to give? And we'll see where it takes them over the next four weeks. All right, we're back for the third period of our Jet Cetera podcast, folks. Um, this is the period where we talk about uh, et cetera things. Right. Uh, things a lot other of it, et cetera. Yeah, but t- today we're going to talk a little bit about hockey, but just a bigger issue. 
um, that is affecting uh, hockey, and it's the uh, everybody uh, is uh, probably talking or at least thinking a little bit about the coronavirus and how it's potentially affecting uh, people and potentially themselves and and now sports. And so late last night uh, or early last night, the NHL announced uh, a policy. The NHL. NBA. This was interesting. Major yeah. League Baseball and Major, and League, Major Soccer. League Soccer all sent out a combined press release saying that they were going to limit access to locker rooms. So that means media and other people would not be able to go into locker rooms uh, for the foreseeable future, right. whatever that would be. And then late last night, um, the tell me this. Tell me so this the uh, California, it seems, is. Um, where there's been a lot of cases in right. the U.S. Yeah, and the West Coast. Yeah, yeah, sure. and like Washington State and California. For yeah. sure. So uh, the the actual county which encompasses uh, where the San Jose Sharks play, they announced late last night a ban on any public gatherings uh, till the end of March where more than a thousand people are, are gathered. Well, obviously... I wonder how they come up with a thousand. I don't know. Uh, I yeah. guess 999 people would be would okay, be but a thousand yeah. people. Uh, so naturally, because the San Jose Sharks are not the Florida Panthers and they do get more than a thousand people to their right, games, right, right. zing, uh, nice one. The, the Sharks have three home games uh, between now and the end of... Um, of March, actually, the timing is probably really good. They're in; Bar- they just left on like a fourteen-day road trip or something. So the Sharks are actually on the road for much of the rest of the month. Uh, can you imagine if they had a really home-heavy schedule? They don't, but there are three games that are going to be impacted. Uh, the Sharks have announced they will comply with the order, but they haven't said how they're going to comply. There's basically three options, either play in an empty rink or I guess a rink that has less than a thousand people in it, and that would be okay. Uh, find a neutral site and that could mean my understanding is it's just a specific county so does that mean they could go to Oakland or San Francisco like the Golden State Warriors play in Oakland there's the old Cow Palace in San Francisco which is an hour away so maybe they just move the game and then fans who want to go so so yeah or they postpone the games which I don't see something so there's a sweeping thought that that potentially there could be a lot of sporting events sure. played in empty stadiums. They're already playing in they Italy. Were, they were playing um, football games in empty stadiums in Italy. I think they've completely canceled the game. Well, games because now. the whole country is yeah. basically under quarantine uh, right. at this and point. So, um, and then um, Japan's the, biggest pro baseball league. They just announced yesterday that they're suspending the start of their season this is like the biggest yeah, and they canceled the indian wells tennis tournament in california canceled the they women's canceled ihf in nova right. scotia Figure skating is going to be they yeah. canceled a lot of the events. olympics might get canceled right and so um all of this uh, has uh you know created a, certainly a lot of uncertainty for the nhl and and uh, well all of the sports but the nhl for playoffs and all of this and nothing here yet obviously we don't have a case of coronavirus in no. Manitoba yet so um, uh, let me ask anybody reto- talking about it around the rink. Like yeah, that? oh, yeah. for sure. But yeah. so let me ask a rhetorical question: If you're the NHL, how do you justify, or any of these leagues, how do you justify basically isolating players from us filthy germ bag media types, which they've now done? Um, so yesterday, by the way, the Jets actually enforced this policy before it was even a policy. Right. The Jets closed their locker room yesterday before the NHL said that they had to. It was kind of at that point they were recommending it. They weren't mandating it. Now they're mandating it. 
but so basically they're saying uh, we don't want to expose our players to the potential of infection from you 10 or so media types that would be in the room. But they had no problem opening the rink last night to 15,000 fans who are all within, you know, elbow space of each other and coughing space of each other. So if the whole idea here is minimizing risk, at what point is a league going to have, is is any league, the NHL or otherwise, going to say, well, I mean, it, it, isn't it pretty blatant? Like they don't care about the fans if they're actually willing to expose all the fans to potential infection. Um at what point is a responsibility on a sports organization to protect fans? And if they really, if they really think there's a risk of infection here, how can they continue to open their doors and play in front of fans? I mean, they've taken a pretty drastic step just to protect players from right. 10 media right. a day. Right. But what about the 15,000 fans and protecting them from each other? And to me, it, it's going to come down to money, of course. It always does. They don't want to play in an empty rink. It's going to cost them a fortune, right? So well, a lot of those tickets already been paid for. I guess they would refund them. I don't know. You yeah. know, I don't, I don't know. Um, it's just going to take one, though, right? I mean, we've right. seen it. Look at what's happened on a, on cruise ships with thousands of people. All it takes is one infection. They quarantine everybody. Right. Or it's going to take, you know, and, and I'm traveling tomorrow to Edmonton for this road trip. It's definitely in the back of my mind. What if I'm on a flight where one person you know, test positive after the fact. Does that mean that I could potentially, you know, everybody on that flight is now going to be quarantined for 14 days because you risked being exposed? So uh, how are they determining? Do you know, like, how would they determine if you get off a plane, how would they determine even somebody? Had well, I, I assume it would be after the fact. Right. Like there was a story yesterday, I believe, in New York. Um, I think a rabbi at a synagogue or something was diagnosed now, like several days after. And so they've now ordered like the 300 people that were, were at the service the other day to now be quarantined because they put, so it would be a, I mean, the horse is kind of out of the barn a little bit at that stage, but, um, you know, I, I will say the last flight I took just 10 days ago to go to Edmonton for that one-off Jets game, they they ask you, and I'm sure you're going to get asked, you're going on a trip on Thursday, they'll ask you right at the gate, like, are you exhibiting any signs? I mean, they're basically asking how you're feeling. Oh, are they? Yeah. They are. Okay. And they also ask if you've been overseas in the last 14 days. Um, so I don't know what, if you answered yes, like, I don't know if they would just deny you boarding. I assume they would. Because there's not like they can just give you a test right there at the gate, right? And you either pass or fail to get on the plane. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, combine that with the stock markets crashing yesterday. And, you know, there's, uh, it's a mess out there right now. And (laughs) we don't know where, it was funny, a few people were saying down at the rink yesterday, forget about coronavirus and players fearing coronavirus. They should be worried about their 401ks and their investments. I'm way more concerned about that. Uh, you know, frankly, I'm not overly concerned about catching anything. I'm, right. I feel like I'm a healthy uh, guy. Yeah. And if I was to catch some sort of virus, I feel that I would be able to fight it off pretty easily. You know, I am a little concerned that uh, I get quarantined somewhere. I am going to Jamaica, though, on Thursday. Right. So if I get quarantined in Jamaica, um, I... That's sort I'm, of stuck I'm in not, paradise, I'm right? Not, I'm all right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think it's it's interesting. You see the list of which countries have had cases 
and there's nothing in the Caribbean no, right now. No, maybe you'll be you could be patient zero, Steve. <laughs> you could be Don't groundbreaking. That. No, Shh. that would not be good. You're going to run a marathon, right? No, 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 no. I'm going. I'm going to participate in the Kingston City Run, okay, which is a marathon. But they have a marathon, a half marathon, a 10k run, and a 5k run. I'm of course running the 5k run. Uh, I'm, I was have been invited right. by the Jamaican Tourism Board through a PR firm in Toronto. This particular PR firm uses events to um, do media junkets that then will be a travel story gotcha. in our paper type of thing. Oh, so right? you're going to so, run 5K though? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, my trainer richard burr name dropping again rich you're listening is he sponsoring us he should (laughs) should at this point (laughs) he should be sponsoring this and the say what because i drop his name more than anybody's um i've been training a little bit but i I don't really run a lot right i mean we do a lot of conditioning but i could i probably uh he told he gave me a hint this morning here's a great hint if you're running a 5k is you uh walk fast run a little bit, walk fast, run a little bit, walk fast. And then the final 500 meters, you sprint the cr- sprint yeah. for the crowd. So you look really, really great as you cross the So like line. eight years ago, and I'm, uh, you can, I'm, not, I'm not a small man at all. Uh, at, at my current, I was this same weight eight years ago. I actually ran the, Man- the Manitoba Half Marathon. Right on. 13 miles. My only, and I trained so poorly for it. I just had a goal. It's one of those bucket things. I'm going to do this. My training, the the furthest I ever ran in training was five miles. And then I went and ran 13 miles the day of the race. And my only goal, I didn't care how fast I could run it. I just wanted to run it without stopping. And I actually accomplished that goal. I ran it in two hours and 27 minutes. And you ran the whole thing? You I never ran, walked? Never walked. I ran. I t- guarantee you I'm going to walk part of it. And the to what you just <laughs> said to end it, because I know we have to take a, our break here into overtime. Uh, the last, so we had finished in the U of M stadium. The last 500 meters, I got the biggest surge of adrenaline I've ever got in my life. I absolutely, and I was bagged at that point. Like I thought by about mile 10 that I was going to die. But by mile, th- that last 500 meters, I sprinted like a maniac. Wow. My wife has video of me passing about 10 people <laughs> as I crossed the finish line. And I don't, it, it's like I blacked out. I just had, I just had to do it. And uh, so, yeah, that's right up there along with the birth of my kids is kind of the greatest <laughs> accomplishments in life. All right, folks, we're back for a short overtime period in our Jet Setter podcast. Uh, Mike, the uh, City High School Hockey Championship took place last week. Yeah. The St. Paul's Crusaders beat the Dakota Lancers in a shootout. Um, boo. <laughs> Not boo to St. Paul. Boo to settling in a shootout. Boo to settling in a what shootout. A, what a crappy Listen, way. I went to Dakota. Yeah. So I'm going to be really, really careful here. <laughs> I was so looking forward to putting Dakota on the front yeah. page of our sports section as the city high school champions. Um, instead, we get to put St. Paul's in the paper again. Sorry, folks, I'm not tr- bashing St. Paul's. But whenever we cover St. Paul's winning a championship, I do get phone calls yeah. of people complaining that we're covering them winning again. And uh, my answer is always like, well, what am I supposed I to know. do? They won again. <laughs> so, uh, but they won in a shootout. Listeners may not yeah. know. I, I have a now an 18-year-old son. He actually played high school hockey the last two years. That He graduated from high school last uh, last June. So he, he 
played actually junior B hockey this year. Shout out to the North Winnipeg Satellites. Uh, but so I fall. I, What's with that name? The Satellites? Do you have any clue what the, why they what. call them the Satellites? I also don't you know why they call They should just call me? them the Winnipeg Satellites, too. Know. There's only one Winnipeg team. Yeah. Um, I always wondered about I'll get on it. Team. Yeah, thank I'll you. report back to you. Okay, thank you. Um, but so he, he actually <laughs> always played in the B division, his two years of high school, West Kildonan Collegiate, in the Winnipeg Free Press division, actually, nice. which I thought was fitting. Uh, but I, I still... That so, championship final is on today. It is, think, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. So... Um, uh, Glenlon and no yeah, so I, I actually still follow <laughs> Glenlon. Yeah, um, but so I still pay attention to high school hockey. And actually, this year I thought, oh, St. Paul's isn't going to win it this year. They were actually like third or fourth in the regular season standings. Uh, Garden City, River East, they were the powerhouses. They got upset actually early in the playoffs, and the door opened for St. Paul's to do it again. Look, I get it. They have a limited amount of ice time. That's why they don't go into a, an indefinite overtime because high school hockey, they're playing like at 4.30. They're playing before like Winnipeg Minor takes over the rinks in the evening. And that's one of the great things about high school hockey for kids that are playing it. You still get your evenings, your weekends yeah, it's right after free. School. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. But yeah. it does mean in a championship game and in the case of Dakota St. Paul's, they had split the first two games. So it's a best of three, not a best of five or seven. Comes down to the final game. Nothing decided. They play, I think, a five-minute overtime. And so, yeah, what a crummy way to settle it. Um, you wish they could make Shoot an exception. Kind of the, uh, uh, I was going to swear there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you probably can. It's podcast. But, They're the uh, shits. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I mean, you don't sell a basketball game with a slam dunk contest. No. You don't settle a baseball game with a home run hitting Correct. derby. You should not settle any meaningful hockey game with a breakaway contest. They've done the World Cup of Soccer. With I know. At least at so, least yeah. in hockey, they've gotten away now on the international stage from settling. Because they used to settle yeah. big, but now they're, they've done away with that. So let's hope the Winnipeg High School Hockey League follows they suit. Could. All right. We're uh, out of time for our podcast here, Mike. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. We'll and by go. then, we should know where the Jets are. I wouldn't bet on it. I think that there's it'll probably go right down for to the sure. last weekend, the last three or four games. I mean, unless the Jets were to take some sort of swoon and fall right out of it. Right. I don't see that happening, A, because of their scoring, and B, because of their goaltender. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll know. So have a safe trip. Yes. Um, hopefully we both get to come back. Corona-free, yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll gather here again in a couple weeks. Okay, take care. Thanks.